Hi, I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of Dragonfly Marketing, and welcome to this episode of the How to Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's our mission at Dragonfly Marketing to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally-based small business in Australia. Why? Because we know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. We believe small businesses are the backbone of our nation. When your business grows, it benefits not only you and your family, it benefits your whole community. Small businesses create a vibrant and connected economy. We employ local people, we donate to local charities, and we work together to build resilient and thriving regional communities. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. Now, I know I am a marketer and it would be naturally assumed by most that I would value my business and personal brand. And it's completely true. I have invested a decent wedge of time, love and money into creating and sustaining my brand. I'm sure you have as well. So what would happen if one day you received a cease and desist letter in the mail telling you that you could no longer use your brand as it was trademarked to be used by somebody else? You would actually have no choice but to change your brand. All of your investment into your brand would be lost, but more importantly, you'd have to think of another name. Plus, if you have your brand on vehicles and signage and uniforms, etc., that's a bloody expensive exercise to replace all of that especially when it's not your call. So how do you avoid that happening? Great question. My guest today is Bin Wright, and Bin is an associate trademark attorney with Baxter IP. She's known in the industry for her brand marketing and protection knowledge. She works with many branding and advertising agencies, helping to research and establish brand name availability to determine which can be easily registered and effectively protected both now and in the future. I've got loads of questions for Bin around what a trademark is exactly and what do they protect and what don't they protect? Who should get one? Who shouldn't? All the questions. So let's dive straight in. Welcome to the How To Do Marketing Show, Bin. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me. That's absolutely a pleasure. And um, I'm really looking forward to the, the chat that we're about to have about trademarks because I've got to say this is something that I've often grappled with over the years for my own business in terms of you know trademarking my brand name Dragonfly Marketing whether I do that you know when we come up with specific processes or taglines or or whatever I've, I've always kind of wondered well do I need to or you know if I do what's involved um, how does that protect me all of that sort of stuff so the fact that um, I've got you here to clear up all of that and I'm sure I am definitely not alone um, with with some of these questions so so firstly, can you just explain what the definition of a trademark is? You know, what is a trademark? What does it do? Well, a trademark can be a letter, a number, a word, a phrase, a logo, pictures of uh, packaging, sound, smell, or even a shape. There are 45 classes of protection that you can obtain through the world, uh, and the trademarks are per country. And they last for 10 years and you can renew them forever. Uh, the interesting fact is um, Coca-Cola, one of the most recognised brands 
around the world. The first trademark application they did was in the US in um, 1892 or 93. And as you can see, um, of course, the brand has evolved over the years with different fonts, but the first trademark they obtained was in, the, um, in 1893. Wow. So trademark, you can renew again and again. So, um, so to answer your question about uh, why are trademarks important, well, trademarks give you the legal rights to that brand. Yeah. Um, imagine if Coca-Cola didn't trademark it, they wouldn't have the legal ability to stop their competitors from using it. So it really gives you the legal rights where uh, there's a misconception in the marketplace, or especially amongst business owners, that once they obtain a company name through their uh, accountant uh, or they get a trading name, um, or the other thing is people think that just because they get a domain name registered that they own that brand. And unfortunately, all those registration, um, which really is to identify you for tax, especially if you get a company name, they don't actually provide you any legal protection to be able to use that brand. And uh, we have seen, especially in the last six months, um, that the larger brands are now cracking down on infringement. So we've had customers come to us and say, we've received a cease and desist letter from, you know, XYZ company um, because they say we're infringing on their uh, trademark. And some of these companies might have been around for a couple of years. They said, well, I, we thought that once we got the company name that we were able to use that brand in the marketplace. And that is just simply not true, um, Jane. So yeah. uh, I hope I answered that question. Yeah, you really did. And I think that um, I think your point around the fact that just because you've secured the domain name, just because you've registered the business, so you've done the search and the business name might be available, the domain name might be available, but that does not mean that you have trademarked or that you have I guess, ownership or full ownership over your brand name. And I think that's probably where a lot of people, you know, do get con confused. So thank you for clearing that up. And and you mentioned when, when you were talking about what a trademark is, so obviously mm. you mentioned that that it can be other things other than, than a business name. So yes. for small business, what, what do you generally see the different types of, of trademarks that, that small businesses seem to get? Uh, mainly small businesses um, obtain trademark registration for their uh, business name, so what the uh, customer sees them um, as in the marketplace. So in the case of Baxter IP, we've trademarked Baxter IP, and it's what the, um, yeah, the consumer sees us as. And the interesting thing is that uh, there's, a, again, a, another misconception that your company name has to match the brand that your client sees you as. Um, so Baxter IP is actually registered um, by our company, BPA Assets Proprietary Limited, right? Uh -huh. Baxter IP is owned by that company, but we didn't actually trademark BPA Assets Proprietary Limited. We trademarked Baxter IP because that is what we want the, um, the, the consumer to see our brand as. And, um, and that, is, that is what um, trademarking is all about. It's what the, uh, the consumer in the marketplace sees your brand as. Yeah. It doesn't, ha not, 
it does not have to match with your company name or your domain name. Or lately, a lot of people say, well, what about my social uh, media handles? Well, it doesn't even have to match that either. So Yeah, that's a really, really good point because, um, yeah, there's a lot of trading names and business trading names, as you said, and that's what might be registered with ASIC, but mm. it's the brand that you're actually protecting. It's the brand that people know you as, will recognise you as. Um, and your trading name can be completely back back office. So, yeah, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. So do you ever see small businesses um, trademarking other things? Like do, do, they, do they generally tend to trademark like iconography or um, taglines or, you know, p- p- specific processes or anything like that? Or is it generally just the business name or brand it's name? Uh, it's generally the business name as well as... Uh, product names that they give to their products or services. So imagine you're, um, you know, you're, you're a beverage uh, company and you've got your main brand, but then you want to bring out um, clever product names that will identify uh, your specific product with a brand. And if that's important enough to that business owner, then that is another way that they can um, uh, obtain trademark registration to protect that distinctive aspect of their business. Um, I see it a lot um, where businesses, um, actually I can talk about this one because the client just obtained their trademark. Um, So I've got a client that started as a cafe in Sydney and they are um, looking at selling their business uh, breads in Woolworths and Coles, okay? So they trademark their company or their, their brand name or their business name for their cafe, but because they're now selling a product, which is uh, fresh bread, into Coles and Woolworths, um, they need to trademark the product. So they trademark, uh, yeah, the product um, to ensure that um, it is uh, going to be protected and it's really important that when people enter into a, um, uh, I guess, a scenario where they're selling into a large retailer, that they actually protect their brand. Uh, we've seen cases in the past where when something's selling really well, um, it is um, known that sometimes um, the retailers go and trademark that brand so that they can stop mm-hmm. that small business from selling to their competitors. And that's happened in the past. And I won't name names, but but it's happened. Oh, my gosh. Gosh, it sends a, like, shiver of fear down your spine, doesn't it? Because then, of course, they've got, they hold that, that control, I guess, if the retail's gone and, and um, if the retailer has gone and trademarked the brand, are you talking about uh, the the product name of the, yes, the business? Yes, the product oh name. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. So wow. imagine you're, you're selling to, um, you know, a big retailer and you don't have your brand protected for Jeez. that product and it sells like hotcakes, right? Um, they're thinking, well, this is a really... Um, good selling line let's see if they've trademarked it and if the owner hasn't trademarked it the the retailer could potentially go and trademark it um, and um, and then ask them not to sell it to the competitors however I must make a point here that in that scenario it could be seen 
that if the big retailer uh, obtains that trademark, the small business owner can try to revoke it on bad faith because with trademark um, legislation, you're not allowed to register a mark in bad faith. Um, in saying that, uh, like I said, we had a scenario years ago where that happened to a uh, manufacturer. He basically said, um, I'm selling really well into this retailer and I don't actually want to sue this retailer because I want to main- maintain their business, you know, with me. So that um, manufacturer of that product actually did not fight the trademark on bad faith registration. Instead, what he did was he had to create a whole new brand so that he can then sell the same exact product to this retailer's competitors. Because once um, someone owns a trademark, they actually have the, the monopoly over that brand and, um, and they have the legal rights to it. So in that scenario, the extra expense of that manufacturer, they had to create a brand new um, name for their product um, so that they were able to um, sell it to, uh, you know, the other t- retailers. Uh, and you bet you that when, <laughs> when they created that new brand, they trademarked at the very start because yeah. they didn't want that to happen to them again. Yeah, gosh, that's like, yeah, that's, that's a huge lesson for us all to learn from. Thanks for sharing that. Now, you mentioned before, um, obviously, you know, social media handles. Now, most businesses, you know, they'll try and align their social media handles with their brand name. Well, that certainly makes a lot of sense to do that. And I would certainly recommend it as a, as a marketer. But what about hashtags, Bid? What are hashtags trademarkable? Because I know there's a lot of brands that actually try and build some, you know, um, yeah, some affinity with with certain hashtags, and particularly if they're using their brand name in the hashtags. What's mm. what's the legislation around that? Well, with hashtags, it, it's pretty much treated like a trademark. Okay, um, and I don't actually think. Um, trademarking a hashtag is a good idea for a small business. Mm-hmm. The, the whole aspect um, or the whole idea around trademarking is to stop others from using, you know, that particular brand. But with hashtags, um, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not um, uh, that up to speed with uh, hashtags. But from, from what I read, is a hashtag is really there to grow your client or your, the readership of what you're trying to put out into the marketplace to attract new customers to it. Um, so with a hashtag, the idea is that you want people to use it. But with a trademark, you're trying to stop people from using it. So it's not common for small businesses to trademark a hashtag. It's more likely that a large brand would trademark a hashtag to stop their competitors from misusing the hashtag, okay? So I, um, I did some research um, on this for you. Um, I looked up one of the most um, successful hashtag campaigns was by Coca-Cola, uh, and I'm just using their uh, example because it's, it's an easy one to understand. They, they, um, one of their campaigns was Share a Coke, Okay. And then they uh, trademarked share a Coke, uh, hashtag share a Coke, uh, 
uh, to ensure that they, um, I guess, their competitors don't use it. But just looking at the followers and the views of those hashtags, um, so hashtag share a Coke challenge, 79.6 million views of that hashtag. Um, share a Coke, 18.1 million views. Um, and that just shows you that a hashtag is valuable to a company, but, but you can't control a hashtag effectively. Yes. Um, a hashtag um, is really there to promote or to, to add value to your promotion of your brand. And it's easy for a large company like Coca-Cola to trademark a hashtag because they've actually got their brand within the hashtag. Yes. But if you're trying to trademark something like, I don't know, cat lovers, okay, let's using that as an example because, as you know, cats are very popular on social media. Yeah. You couldn't trademark hashtag um, cat lovers uh, unless you were using that hashtag to maybe open a restaurant or something, you know, that, that it's got nothing to do with selling um, cats. cats or selling food related to cats or anything that's related to cats. So, yeah, hashtags can be trademarked, but you've got to look at the why you're wanting to trademark it. Uh, and if it's to stop others from using it, well, you're defeating the whole purpose of yes, trademark represents. Yeah, that's such a good such a good point. And I guess, as you said, the the reason why people would do it is just to to really stop the competitors from doing it from from, from um, using that that hashtag. Yeah. Uh, but you certainly wouldn't want to stop the general community from using it. It's counterintuitive, which I think is right. a a really good point. So if, if small businesses are kind of thinking about the benefits of, of trademarking, so obviously it, it's, it's a huge, like one of the, the biggest benefits is, is protecting your mm. brand, name, protecting the stuff. that And, and even the, the product and the service, I think that's a really good example as well mm. when, you're, when you're developing specific products. Um, but what are some of the other advantages for about about trademarking some of your intellectual property, whether that be iconography or or, or a tagline or, or business name, other than just protect protecting it from from your competitors? What what are some of the other benefits that you might get from trademarking some of that? Well, when you own a trademark. Um if, yeah, if you're successful enough to own a registered trademark, you can actually on sale that trademark in the future if you sell your business, you can licensing license out, let's say, a product name. Um, for example, um, Pierre Cardin, um, I believe, is one of the most uh, licensed name in the marketplace. So Pierre Cardin don't, do not necessarily produce the wallets, the key rings, the clothes, the, I don't know, the towels that they, they lend their name to. They own the trademark and what they do is they license that brand out to other manufacturers to produce it. And what they do is they earn royalties from that brand without actually having to outlay um, the cost in producing the products. So if, you're, if the small business owner is lucky enough to create a brand that's recognised in the marketplace but they don't actually produce the products, they can always license out that name um, and um, and earn revenue from that. Um, 
Secondly, with, with trademark protection, um, sometimes it's actually not about protecting or enforcing the brand from, from others from using it. I've had cases where um, business owners trademark it to ensure that no one else can ask them not to use it. So one of the aspects of keeping, um, uh, I guess, trade, uh, keeping a brand unique is that when you, once you get a trademark, you actually have to police your own brand and you need to enforce that brand by um, taking someone to court or ask them not to use it. Um, and if you really want to keep the uniqueness of that brand, then you must enforce that brand. But I've got customers that don't necessarily care that other people are using their brand name. They just don't want them to um, ask them not to use it. So they protect it. They've registered a trademark to protect themselves from the hassle of um, uh, others from asking them to use it. So, um, so those, those are the, uh, I guess, other aspects of why someone would want to register trademark. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I had no idea, I guess I hadn't really thought about it, but I love your um, insight there about Pierre Cardin and, and about, I guess, being able to, to license a brand name. And, and that's certainly not for everybody. In fact, it's probably not for a lot of people. Um, I can imagine that there's a little bit of um, a nightmare <laughs> involved with that in making sure that the person that you license that brand to doesn't harm the brand that, that you've created. And Pierre Cardin would have spent, you know, a lot of time and money building that brand the last thing you'd want to do is hand, you know, one of the major touch points of that brand, i.e. your product, over to someone who's going to destroy any any kind of brand legacy that you've built. So that's that's really interesting. But, yeah, good point about um, protecting it so that people can't stop you using it because, um, yeah, look, I guess I, I never really thought of it that way, but that's a really, really good point. In fact, that's kind of one of the biggest reasons to do it, I, I would imagine. Um and you said that, that a trademark lasts for, for 10 years. Yes. Now, is it like, like with ASIC and your business name registration or your domain name registration where you kind of get an email, you know, a month or so out before it's due to be re-registered and you're prompted to, to re-register? Because, like, I can imagine, like, something like Coca-Cola where someone really stands to be able to extort that, <laughs> You know, if they if if they let that lapse accidentally, and someone you know just happened to to be following when their trademark renewal was up, was up, and you know in the twenty four hours that they lapsed, their their membership yeah. got in there and trademarked it. Like, what's what's the process around making sure that that you're re, you know re registering and renewing that that trademark every ten years? Well. The onus is on the owner to mark that date, even though it is a 10-year period. Um, however, uh, they, the trademark office are pretty good. They, they tend to um, let, advise you about a year out before your trademark is to be renewed. And even if you lapse, let's say, 24 hours after the date, you are able to re, uh, revive it. Um, I think up to potentially six months of the expiry date um, to, you know, to, to renew it. After that, well, then you've lost it. So that there are sort of safeguards there um, to ensure that um, the owners of the trademark uh, have 
you know, plenty of notice and plenty of uh, reminders to, to renew their brand. And, the, you know, the large companies have got departments of lawyers that, um, you know, make sure that their brands do not lapse. And if they're pretty sure someone's job is going to be on that. I was going to say heads would roll, especially when they've got departments of people to do that. Of course, in small business, we don't generally have departments of people, people doting on us and making sure that we renew that. So that's comforting to hear that there is some sort of a reminder process um, because, you know, I think without reminders coming through to me, it would just definitely not be on my radar, uh, especially with 10 years between drinks. Now, what about that little TM mark that denotes that you have a trademark on, say, a business name? Do you, like, what's the deal with that? Do you have to use that? Do you have to use that across all touch points? Like, why do, why do people put that TM on there? And, yeah, what's, what's the ruling around that? Well, interestingly, everyone thinks that by putting TM that you've got some registered rights. Unfortunately, TM actually only um, indicates that you are wanting to use that brand as a trademark. It, the, the actual definition for TM is that that brand is unregistered. Is that right? I, yes. thought, I thought the TM was when you had the trademark and it was no. to denote it. No. no. So if you, go, uh, if you go and search on the, um, you know, I guess on Google, and you look up what TM symbol represents, uh, also the trademark legislation in each country, it actually says TM symbol represents the, uh, that a brand is unregistered. Uh, the brand owner are indicating to consumers that they are in, intending to use it as a brand. Our symbol, which is the official registered uh, trademark symbol, uh, symbol, represents that the brand is registered and has the enforceable legal rights to pursue infringes. So, so um, the R symbol is what indicates something is protected, okay? Oh. And I can understand why you and your listeners would get confused uh, about TM being the uh, symbol for registration. Um, and the reason why you, you sometimes see TM on, let's say, established brands in the supermarket or retail shop or even online, uh, it's because um, because multinational, um, especially multinational food brands, um, they have to manage the production of packaging. So imagine, let's say, you're producing a yogurt to be a brand of yogurt that's to be shipped around the world, okay? Uh, let's say you're Nestle or something like that. The brand manager would, first of all, have to find a name that's trademarkable in all countries that they would like to promote and sell the brand into. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, they've got to trademark it. And because trademark it, uh, trademarking um, takes eight months in Australia, but it could take up to, I don't know, uh, a year to 18 months in other countries. Okay, so... If you can imagine, the poor marketing manager in those companies have to manage the, the, the launch of these products. And it's actually illegal for you to put an R symbol on packaging uh, and sell it in a country that you're not registered for trademarking. You actually get fined. I think in Australia, it's like $6,000 if you're caught misusing the R symbol. 
Wow. Um, so, uh, which is probably nothing to a large company, but anyway, the fact is that you're breaking the law if you put the R symbol with that trademark registration. So, um, technically, um, they've got to put in a TM when they're, let's say, launching the product, just so that they don't run foul of the law in a particular country that they haven't actually uh, obtained trademark registration. And so maybe the first batch of packaging that they produce for that yogurt might have TM on it, but gradually over, I don't know, two-year two period, they'll then slowly, um, you know... Uh, phase it out. Yeah, phase it out and then introduce and the R. Uh, but then in some countries like India or, you know, third world countries where maybe production there, it's either forgotten or someone's, you know what I mean? So yeah. they're, logistically, it's really difficult to, to, I guess, make sure that every country has an R on their packaging. Um, if if uh, once um, a trademark is registered in that country. So that's why you see TM sometimes on it is because when they first launched the product, it's probably because it wasn't trademarked around the world. So therefore, it was probably best to be on the safe side and put TM on it to indicate that it is an unregistered trademark, but they're intending to uh, obtain trademark registration in the future because they want to use it as a brand. So that that is so <laughs> yes, that is <laughs> so interesting. And in fact, yeah, I I didn't realize the 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 difference between that. So you've got the R symbol, which means it's it's definitely registered as a trademark. The TM, yes. which means it's we're intending to do it. And yes. then how does the C, the copywriting symbol, fit into that? Because is copywriting like a completely different law altogether? Oh, yes. Copyright is a totally different law. Right. It, copyright is more about the protection of, um, uh, the, I guess, the creation of content, content uh, creation of logos, uh, anything that's creative. Um, and in Australia, copyright is automatic um, to the person that creates that piece of work, whether it's in, you know, whether it's in written form, in a painting, in music. Um, but in other countries, you have to register it. So that, yeah, copyright is a completely different um, law that, um, that governs. Um, well, it sits within the intellectual property um, domain, but, but it is a totally different law. That is so interesting. My goodness, I feel like I'm learning so much here. This is really, really interesting. Okay, so then you were talking about, um, you explained the process that obviously things have to be trademarked in all the individual countries. So just because you get a trademark registered in Australia does not mean that you have the, the licence to use that throughout the world, which is which is also good to know, to know, and as as you said, like it takes eight months to actually get the trademark passed in Australia, so mm-hmm. it could take you know years, and depending on the I guess the organisation of 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 different um, establishments throughout the world, and as you said, in third world countries, it might take a lot longer, and and yeah. still not even mean much, um, yeah. depending on on depending on how that's governed. Mm-hmm. So, for small business. Yes. Is there, you know, particularly, I guess, if, if, if it depends on, on where they're kind of focused, but if they are focused, if they do have international kind of um, aspirations, 
when when would you say it's it's necessary for for a small business to to get a trademark like it, is it really something that's that's um i guess necessary if if you're not looking to expand or or um is there a certain point in time in the business where a trademark should be something that you really think about is there any business that shouldn't get you know bother with a trademark how how does that work well I think over the years, this question comes up quite a bit. And really what I, what I have found is that you actually have to take a step back and look at the motivation of why you're wanting a trademark before you even think about whether you, you need registration or not. Um, because unlike domain names, you actually have to use a trademark um, or else it could get revoked. So if you're, let's say, a company that's just starting out and you're not particularly ready to launch your product um, in the United States but you have intentions, well, maybe look at when you're going to go there because you want to apply uh, closer to when you're ready to launch because in America they're very strict. They actually ask you every three to five years to indicate that you're actually using that brand in the marketplace. And if they don't, they, they actually won't renew. Even though it's a 10-year registration, let's say in America, they, they check in with you every so often to make sure that you're actually using the brand. And if you're not, it could get revoked from the uh, registration. Whereas in Australia, the onus is really on the, um, um, on the person who owns the trademark. And the only time that it something can get revoked is if a third party wants to really desperately use that brand, they can then revoke your trademark if you haven't been using it continuously for three years. So, um, so really the business owner has to step back and think about their motivation for their business, whether the brand that they're looking to launch, um, you know, what their plans are for, for, for that, um, that business are they looking to franchise it in the future? If it is, then they should get a trademark because, um, you know, when you want to franchise, a trademark is one of the essential, uh, I guess, legal protection that you need to, to, um, to, to create a franchise. Um, if you um, are wanting um, to ensure that the brand that you create, no one else can use it, uh, and you're adamant that your business is going to be successful, then you should trademark it at the very start um, and, um, and, and, you know, bite the bullet and get the trademark. Because in, um, in many parts of the country, it's the first to use and first to file that's important, and that is the best trademark protection you can have. Um, many business owners I know, especially in the trades area, we've had many cases because of the internet, where when they started, let's say, 12 years ago, they were the first person to use that brand, let's say. But because they didn't know about trademarking, they've seen competitors pop up with similar names and they, don't, they, they didn't understand how they could stop them. But let's say with that tradesperson, if they actually started that brand name trademark at the beginning and then they saw all these um, similar names pop up on the internet when people are searching for, let's say, electricians or plumbers, if they actually own the trademark, they could have stopped all those competitors from popping up. So if, you, if you're a business owner that is afraid that there are going to be 
um, new people starting up businesses, trying to um, take advantage of your existing reputation in the marketplace, then you do need a trademark, okay? Um, and the ones that don't need trademarks, um, the business owners that do not mind if someone tomorrow came, came up to them and said, um, or, or handed them a cease and desist letter, and they're more than happy to change their name instead of being sued, then that there's your answer, that they don't value their brand enough um, and that they're willing to change their brand uh, tomorrow. It just shows you, it will tell you yeah. that with that motivation, they, they don't need a trademark because they're willing to, to, um, to risk it. Brand. Yeah, to <gasps> Yes, and 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 as a marketer, I would say this is that's not a good 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 place to be in. You definitely don't want to uh, to to go to the effort of building a brand and getting people to recognise your business name and brand name to only have that ripped um, out from you. You always want to be in control of your brand. Um, so I think that's that's a really good good point. Okay, um, how much protection? does a trademark give you so like i'm just i guess my mind jumps to you're a small business you've trademarked okay um and then say like a really big business that can afford some serious lawyers wants to come up you know just starts using your your brand name for example and i know a lot of big businesses wouldn't do this obviously because they've got the lawyers to advise them not to but how you know, if you have to go and pursue them, is this a nightmare to do? Like for small business, if someone does start ignoring your trademark, what's the process that you have to go through to to kind of make sure that they stop doing it? Well, the trademark protection gives you a monopoly for that brand name that you've registered for. Um, however, to maintain your trademark rights, you have to enforce it, unfortunately. Yeah. You cannot allow someone to completely ignore your cease and desist letter. You must take them to court, and, and that is the reality of enforcement. And that's why I said earlier that if you're not willing to enforce your trademark, you might as well not uh, even bother to trademark it. But at the same time, you can't cry that someone else is using your uh, your, your registered brand or your or your brand. So with trademark registration, the reality is that you have to enforce it if you want to keep the uniqueness of, the, of your brand. Um, and, of course, you would try to mediate with them prior to going straight to, to a court case, let's say. Um, but in most cases, a reasonable person would comply with the cease and desist notice as if you win in the courts, they are liable for your court costs and their own court costs. So, so you would hope that common sense would prevail in those uh, scenarios um, a, a case that I can um, highlight here is um, when Burger King wanted to come to Australia uh, many, many moons ago, they couldn't get, uh, they couldn't enter the Australian market as Burger King, even though Burger King is a franchise overseas. So the master franchise um, in Australia could not use Burger King in Australia because someone had owned Burger King as a trademark here. So therefore, they actually um, took the decision, even though they're a big company, to rebrand or to massage the brand into Hungry Jacks, okay? So that shows you that a trademark does have um, powerful um, 
protection and and ultimately the trademark owner has the legal rights to that brand yeah how big i mean ultimately yes you're right the deeper your pockets are to have the lawyers pursue it um and um yeah so unfortunately sometimes that is the case that they that the big corporations um do use their muscle um their legal muscle power and and their deep pockets to um to run you dry so that you would either give up your trademark or I mean ultimately you can also sell that trademark to them as well. So yeah. that's the other thing, a trademark is um is an asset that can be sold. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it sounds like from what you're saying that it do, it does offer that legal protection so they would have to have a really really good case to be yes. able to get away with it. So if you did take them to court, you know, if it did get that far, you probably would win, you know, unless there was yeah. extenuating circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, cool. Okay. In this, um, can I just make a, a point here as well? Not all trademark registrations are equal in protection. Mm. So if your brand is unique, you have the most, you know, the, the most, um, the monopoly over that brand. However, if your trademark name is descriptive, then it's a very weak trademark protection, okay? So that, that's a point that I need to make because a lot of, I find that a lot of uh, business owners um, over time, you can get it, you can overcome issues of descriptiveness within a um, trademark registration by being there for, you know, for a period of time. But the, just because you're obtaining the trademark doesn't mean that that trademark is is as good as someone, let's say, Apple. Okay, so Apple's a great example because who would have called a computer after a fruit? You know, so so that distinctiveness of the brand for computers is much stronger than, let's say, if someone had named their computer company, uh, I know, Best Computers or something. Um, interesting or, or computers australia or, or or you know anything that's dis- descriptive of their brand you have weaker rights or weaker protection interesting so it's yeah. really important um going back to your question about whether business like i know all business owners when they start out they're, they're on a you know, they're running their business on an oily rag normally or they're just starting out and they don't have a lot of cash flow. So if you don't have the money now to trademark, what I suggest the business owners do before they even register a company name with um, you know, the ASIC or get a domain name is actually take a step back and really spend time researching the name for their business product or service. And I've got my th- uh, three top tips for them to um, to to, um, uh, to uh, implement um, right. prior to actually looking at the brand, because this will save, this will ensure that they are first to use in the marketplace, and that they potentially will not be sued by another party when they when they launch this brand. Because if you're first to use it and you've spent the time making sure it's unique. That means no one else in the marketplace is using that brand now, so you're pretty safe, okay? Yeah. So, so when thinking of a new brand, um, these are my top uh, three tips. One, do not use descriptive words or names 
in the brand name, okay? So if you're, I don't know, a, um, a real estate agent, um, you know, try to avoid, um, you know, mid-century or, 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 I don't know, modern or mode. If, if, if a term is descriptive within your industry, um, then it's really, you know, other traders should be able to use those. Interesting. So it's best that you avoid it, that you have something dis- uh, distinctive. So avoid descriptive words in your brand name. Yes. Two. Oh, did you want to say something? No, 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 because I remember I was just going to make the point. I remember when I was talking to you about the how-to-do marketing product name, you said because that is quite descriptive, it yes. would be very, very hard um, to to um, to trademark. Okay, so that's that's interesting. Yes, so I mean, po- I've got, I've actually got a good one. Um, in terms of real estate, you know, there's a trademark on a system called Melbourne Buyer's Agent. I think that's been registered, right? So that's what I call a weak trademark because other buyers agents in Melbourne need to be able to say that they're based in Melbourne and they're a buyer's agent. So what really that trademark registration is there for is to ensure that no one can ask them not to use it, okay? Yes. Protecting and being unique, um, good luck to them. They'll have to sue everyone. <laughs> that's yeah. that brand. So, so that's, so yeah, so to avoid um, a weak trademark or a weak brand, don't use descript, uh, descriptive names in your brand. Yeah, great. Even though your SEO person will ask you to do that because it helps you with Google rankings, I'm sure, yeah. but it actually um, flows completely against the grain uh, for trademarking. Okay. Number two, do not use geographical locations in your brand name, okay? So there's a huge debate at the moment about geographical indicators, um, where the products are made. Um, so in the past, maybe trademark, um, having a location with your, attached to your product might have been the trend. But these days, it's, um, you find it very difficult to actually obtain a trademark for that. So for a bigger cheese, you know, it's located in bigger and it's, you know, it makes cheese. So... Um, but that brand over the years, have they've created a strong brand over that. But if you're a small business owner, you're not going to have the same marketing um, budget to promote a geographical descriptive brand. Um, so it's actually best to avoid it as well because if you can imagine, everyone wants to be able to say that they're, I don't know, Melbourne Bakery or uh, yeah. uh, Randwick um electrician so avoid geographic names uh, in your brand name as possible the third thing is actually spend time to conduct research on google on the trademark databases um even even if you wanted to check company names to see how many other people are using the company name even though the company name has got nothing to do with branding but it just gives you an indication of what other people have been thinking in the past, you know, of names. Um, I would go as far as to even check domain names because if you know that, let's say, the .com or .com.au, which are the more desirable uh, addresses for domains, um, if they're all taken, then you sort of know that that name is either popular or it's already been used. 
And if let's say the .com or .com.au um, domain names have been taken, you go and visit those sites for that, that brand name that you've come up with to see whether they, they, they uh, are offering the same products or services within your in- same industry, okay? So the idea of spending time at the beginning to do this research to ensure no one else is using um, that brand name um, is important because you don't necessarily – well, I, I never – could understand the logic anyway. If, if I did find someone, let's say I came up with a brand name and I found somebody else using it, well, why would I follow them? Because how is the consumer supposed to know whether it's them or me, you know? Yeah. So I would actually completely be turned off by the idea that I found someone doing exactly the same thing as me with a similar name. Uh, what I tend to do there would be just move on. Yeah. And, and business owners have to also be brave um, because at the beginning, they've got nothing to lose, okay? So at the beginning, um, they might have created a name or concept in their head and I find that they really get attached to that, what, you know, the name that they come to me with and I say to them, but you haven't even started the business um, and, and why don't you look at this unusual name or unique name, be brave because Every single brand that may be famous today, whether it's Apple or Coca-Cola or Pepsi, I mean, I think Pepsi was a made-up name, Nike was a made-up name. Be brave because they, they, were, they all started out um, small. No one knew were. And just over time, they built the brand behind it. And so each small business owner should think of that, that, Yes, they might be well-known brands now, but every brand starts, um, you know. In the same spot. Yeah, yeah, in the same spot. No one yeah. knows who they yeah. are. No one, you know, it's, it's due to marketing, the services that, you know, marketing agencies like yourself offer to help them build that brand. Yeah. And build that reputation behind that brand is what makes the brand. So after a while, People will know, well, Nike equates to shoes. Apple equates to computers. Yeah. It's the same thing with any new um, brand. Yeah. Sound weird because it's sort of not within your industry. Yeah. I mean, what would you have liked to have been a fly on the wall when um, Steve Jobs said, I'm going to call the computer, my computer company Apple? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's, it defies logic. You know, well, mm. computer and Apple. So, yeah. So the business owners... Really, if they can't afford to trademark now, so you don't need to trademark at very start. I mean, ideally you should, but if you don't have it, then spend the time to find that name that is unique in your marketplace. Yeah, 100%. I think that's really, really good advice and you're absolutely right. You can build a brand around any name, so don't feel like it has to be that really obvious solution. So if you've got your mind fixed on something, um, and I guess you're saying be brave, but also be creative. You know, think yeah, about uh, yeah, think 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 about how you can actually express yourself in in different ways. Now, um, you actually help small business owners trademark their brand. Can you share a little bit about um, what Baxter IP does and and how they might be able to help a small business owner? Um, to trademark their brand or something within their business? Sure. Well, uh, at Baxter IP, we're, we are patent and trademark attorneys. So the patent protection is to do with the protection of inventions. So if small businesses have created um, 
um, you know, an invent if they've invented something and they want to protect um, that invention, they would apply for a patent. And we've got uh, patent attorneys within the firm to assist with that. Uh, and with myself, I'm a trademark attorney, so I help um, businesses protect their brand. And the unique service that I am able to offer, because I've got a, actually a marketing background prior to becoming a trademark attorney, if a client comes to myself um, and let's say I find that the brand that they've come up with is not trademarkable due to another registered trademark in the, you know, on the trademark database, I actually help them uh, search or guide them to a new name. Um, and I have a brainstorming uh, process that I, I lead them through. Uh, I tend to say to them, okay, well, this is not available, but why don't you come back to me with 10 other words or names that you like? And then between you and I, we will uh, find something that's trademarkable and that the client likes. And the reason I take the time to do that is to make sure that they start their brand on a solid foundation they're not going to be potentially sued by other um, parties in the future um, and also to secure I guess the you know some of the more um, desirable domain names because if your brand is is unique then it's probably unlikely someone's taking your domain name so using our ex my expertise with branding and combining it with trademark um, uh, law I'm, I'm able to make those judgments um, and of course, nothing's ever guaranteed because ultimately it's the examiner that, um, yeah. that trademark. But you know, my, my hit rate's pretty high. It's about ninety five percent at the moment since I've been doing this. And nice. uh, yeah, so it's um, and I've done uh, I've applied I think over the years six hundred trademarks. So <laughs> I <laughs> I know when I think about that, that's that's a lot that's of trademarks. That's a lot of businesses uh, that you've had. And and um, and I guess by going through the 600 trademarks applications, I've learned what the rules are. And the rules are always changing. So it's so important, um, I guess, uh, that I remember how to apply the various rules uh, to get the best outcome um, to the small business. Yep. And, um, and yeah, I'd say in the last two months, I've spent a lot of time helping uh, business owners uh, find a new name because the name that, yeah. They've come to me with um, not, uh, not trademarkable in yeah. the original um, state. That yeah, interesting. <gasps> ben, I have learned so much from talking to you in this um, uh, in this episode of the How to Do Marketing Show. Thank you so much for sharing all of that insight. If our listeners actually want to reach out and connect with you personally, where's the best way to where where can they find you? Well, they can email me directly. Uh, my email address is bin.rye at baxterip.com.au. So it's B-I-N-H dot R-E-Y at B-A-X-T-E-R-I-P dot com.au. Uh, they can look me up on LinkedIn or if they just go to Google and type in bin rye, um, they'll be able to 
find me there because I think I'm the only Bin Rye on Google at the moment. Ah, that is so handy. That's awesome. Talk about unique. That's excellent. Oh, look, thank you so much for that. I honestly have learned so much. There's so many technicalities that, um, yeah, I just hadn't really got my head around. So for me, it, it definitely sounds like um, something that's really, really important for small businesses to do to protect their brand. Um, particularly as a marketing consultant, you know, there's a lot of investment um, and blood, sweat and tears and creativity and personality that goes into your brand. You certainly don't want to be in a situation where someone rips that out from under your feet. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share that, Bin. And um, yes, well, uh, hopefully you'll get some some people coming and getting some advice from you around this because I think it's a really important thing to do. Well, I welcome anyone to uh, contact me. I'm more than happy to um, give some initial um, advice. Excellent. Thanks so much, Bin. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. It's so great when we can tap into expert advice from someone who really knows their stuff. It helps to provide clarity and confidence about how we approach something that lies outside of the realm of our expertise. Now, if you think that you could do with a little more guidance and expertise with your marketing to help help ensure that it drives a great return, you may want to check out the How to Do Marketing Academy. This is a program that I have developed for ambitious and motivated small business owners just like you. It's a 12-month program that helps to give you clarity and direction with a customized marketing strategy and tactical plan that's developed by me. We then guide you through 12 months of your recommended marketing activity, and this is broken down into easy-to-find 90-day tactical marketing plans. These 90-day plans are almost like to-do lists. I give you them in order of priority to to get each activity done and also help you learn how to do the marketing that's actually on those lists. We conduct monthly marketing workshops and we give you the keys to a huge library of online resources such as ebooks and templates and videos that we've developed over the years of working with small business. You also get exclusive access to our Academy Facebook group where you can connect with other like-minded businesses just like you. I'm in the group all the time answering questions and sharing loads of helpful marketing tips and tricks. So if you want to find out more about how you can get your marketing done more effectively, head on over to dragonflymarketing.com.au to find out more. And until next time, happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 